up everyone welcome to our review of the mandalorian chapter 10 and chapter 11 the passenger and the heiress you can find us on spotify apple Podcasts, and anchor uh, this review will be mostly spoiler content so this is your friendly warning to abort the mission get out of here if you want to avoid spoilers uh, if you want it to be spoiler free this is going to be a spoiler discussion get out of here go see it and then come on back and listen to us so john are you ready man i am so ready um i'm really glad we're doing both of these episodes together because it felt like uh chapter 10 uh or episode two of this season wasn't enough of uh, a bunch of content to really do its own standalone review but i think together it's got a lot of good momentum and i know we're gonna get into that but i'm i'm very excited this worked out the way it did yeah, we got because of that, we have a lot to go through. And I think that uh, it's only it's only right that we start with chapter 10 and then we'll go into chapter 11. But so we're going to break it up into two parts, really. So uh, let's go over chapter 10, The Passenger. This was directed by Peyton Reed, who also directed The Ant-Mans. And if you didn't know, he also directed Yes Man. And he also directed Bring It On, the movie that... uh brought Kirsten Dunst, Kirsten Dunst out into the limelight, even though she had another role in an independent film she got good reviews for. This was her first big lead role in Hollywood. So, yeah, pretty, pretty incredible. Crazy. Crazy world. Uh, This was written by Jon Favreau. And I just want to ask you, like, a few of your thoughts about this, this episode, because I have some takes for it um, (laughs) that I'm just going to get out of the way. I thought this episode was okay. I didn't think it was great. I didn't think it was bad. I just thought it was okay. It was it was good. I'll say it was good, but it just didn't exceed any expectations. Didn't move the plot forward. I hate horror stuff, but this was whew. That was I was legitimately frightened at certain parts and then I remembered Star Wars and I got over it, but still like the Oh, Jan, the spiders. I just, uh, I, I hate it so much. And that's a personal preference. So I admit this episode and a lot of people, it seems like the consensus around the horn is that people really loved this episode. Um, and I just fall probably in the middle for this one. So John, what is your opinion for this episode? I mean, I, I think it just tied together a lot of things that had been introduced. Um, they, I mean, we in season one, we kind of talked about um, when we reviewed season one, we talked about um, some of these standalone episodes needing to propel the story forward and they weren't really tying together very well. Um, but this it always seems like there's some element that that moves the sto- moves the plot forward. Um, it never seems like it's completely like these little standalone episode chunks like there were more of in in season one so in that respect i think that they've evolved the storytelling um because i think they have to do that with season two um and even just like the characters um there was that giant i mean it was directed by peyton reed and there was the giant ant creature uh in in the cantina Yes. Um, which they, if, if you went back and looked, he was in the previous episode, um, in the back of the cantina, uh, 
and and so like they're they're taking elements that you've you've seen before in the background of things and applying it to future episodes um i i do think that was mostly for peyton reed for his work on ant-man or the ant-men um but it was still fun and i don't know man overall it just even if it's not a completely enthralling captivating story that they tell every single episode it's still entertaining um they still do great genre work um i mean they proved that they can do a western with the first episode no sorry um yeah first episode um uh they they can do horror work like they've done in season one and then um they've they've proven that they can do action and heist uh genres from the from the next episode um so every it's just these little little pictures of all these different um like ideas that are introduced throughout star wars and i don't know man like i even if it wasn't like the best episode of the whole series i still enjoy it and i still think it does a great job of expanding the star wars lore um so i i just did i mean i'm just enjoying the ride i'm gonna be honest yeah and it's it's one of those things right i don't want to completely shit on this episode i don't want to completely smack it down it's one of those things that it's just uh you know it has a lot of elements that are great and and i want to go over that like the beginning with baby yoda he gets he gets kind of used for ransom you know when they're ambushed by bounty hunters uh and the jetpack being (laughs) used in the bartering for baby yoda's life and then the guy flying up into the air and coming down i was kind of amazed by that i didn't think i didn't think lucas lucas uh lucasfilm would show the body hitting the ground obviously we didn't see blood splatter but we saw it in the distance and i was kind of like oh good on you for that it was kind of funny a lot of levity and baby yoda running towards mando was really cute uh so that that's a good thing and then Pelimoto, uh, Amy Sedaris's character, who I find, and um, a lot of the fan base don't really like her character that much, and in this, it she is, she kind of, I think seeing more of her in this episode was a little bit better, because you kind of get a sense of like, it's not that she's overacting, it's just that her character is kind of weird and we knew that from the beginning but we didn't know if that's like direction or if that's the character itself and we got a little bit of i, I felt more comfortable with pelimoto in this because she's like oh i just i put i would bet my life on this woman and then he's like he's like how long uh, she says like oh i don't know i met her like 10 minutes ago he's like what i thought you put you bet your life on this woman she's like ah you know i have I'm a great judge of character and it's one of kind of those settling things of like oh okay i know i really don't like this character in the star wars universe but i'm starting to get it a little bit more so is it a little bit more forgiving of her i like the reference to the ronto's raps on uh on black spire outpost when they're you know john when they're roasting the meat uh with the pod racer yeah i thought that was really cool uh it was a good a good homage to to the actual literal place you can go for star wars as a theme park it was just i i really loved that bit i know people hate tatooine but i just tatooine never gets old for me and even though uh, people have upsets and i don't like how the frog lady is called the frog lady because they're not you're supposed to call it something else in the star wars universe the fact that they say frog kind of annoys me like i don't speak frog uh, or you're a frog lady just call it something else like uh, and even saying amphibian i don't know if it's right but you could 
you could do something. It's it's one of those scenes from The Empire Strike Strikes Back when they're closing the doors and the guys and Harrison Ford's like, "Well, I'll see you in hell." And it's like, "Is there a hell in the Star Wars universe?" It's just one of those I'm being very nitpicky here and I know that. It, but I did I did like a lot of the callbacks to Star Wars in this. See, and that's that's one of the theories that I've I've heard about um was that the reason why baby Yoda uh, which we're not going to call him the child. That's dumb. Um, the reason why Baby Yoda seemed so captivated by the eggs um, and seemed to he was basically because he seemed to be familiar with them. That maybe the reason why they're calling her the Frog Lady and this giving her this like really dumb generic name is because by naming her species that it would give away the fact that maybe she is originally from Baby Yoda's home planet and maybe that's why there's that sense of familiarity because. Yoda, baby Yoda has seen these creatures before and he knows that they're like edible. He's had them before because he's a 50 year old. Is that, is that a theory going around the internet? Yeah. Yeah. Because baby Yoda's a 50 year old kid. He's obviously lived a little bit of a life so far. So he's got to have some memories. Um, So if there's at least like a a loose theory that there is some kind of connection there and maybe they don't want to spoil anything initially. Um, And I, I think there was more of a theory with that before chapter 11 came out and that storyline seems to have been wrapped up a bit, but who knows? I mean, it might come back later. That's just kind of one of the things that I've seen online. Yeah. I, I, I find that, I find that theory to be rather, what's the word outlandish. You're outlandish. I think it's one of the things like I, you want it to be that because I have my own theory on where baby Yoda's species comes from. But it, it, it's one of those things that it's just I don't hold my breath. I'm not going to put it out in the universe. It's just I don't I, I'm not I, I think it's more credible than this one, but I'm still not going to reveal it because I don't want to be made fun of by people on podcasts. So <laughs> until we get closer, maybe I'll reveal it. But I just find that kind of ridiculous. But that's just me. But let's move away from Tatooine and let's talk a little bit about the X-Wings, the New Republic X-Wings, with our returning Dave Filoni as Trapper Wolf. And we have Captain Carson Teva, played by Paul Sung Young Lee, which was great to see him. And just their dynamic when they intercept uh, the Razor Crest. It's like, can you switch to Channel 2? And then <laughs> they're having their own conversations and they lock X-Foils in attack position. Yes. I such a great it's such a great thing to see things that happen in our world and i've had i've worked in a place where you have a radio and i've had as someone who's been in a position of management i have like my own manager channel and it's like one of those horrifying things just like hey can you switch to channel b and like everyone else who's on the channel is like oh no what's happening like everyone wants to know on the gossip and it's like you're not gonna know but i have to talk to this this other manager on channel b right now because something's going down (laughs) oh yeah so i thought seeing that uh in this was really really nice for me personally but i know a lot of people would appreciate that kind of moment yeah i mean it it just seems like they do a, a good job of including this little character moments that just kind of build like flesh out the um the individual characters and and kind of give like they're like they they sat there and they waited and they had a moment and there wasn't something completely or there wasn't something said 100 percent of the time so they, they're not afraid to give it a little bit of space and be patient with the scenes 
um, which is just, it's just refreshing. Yeah, it is really refreshing. It's really humanizing. And it's like, yeah, that would happen in our world too. If there were, you know, like what, two fighter jets chasing another jet or whatever, kind of like what we see. No, well, we don't really see it in Iron Man. Yeah, kind of when the, I don't know, everyone's on the same line for some reason. No one's like talking to each person, but uh, it kind of reminds me of that a little bit. It was really good. But uh, going further, Mando's ship on the ice planet and Baby Yoda's eating the eggs, which I know a lot of people people were horrified. They're like, Baby Yoda's a murderer. Some some people, I'm not saying everyone, but some people are like, oh, it's disgusting. Ew. And I'm just like, no, I think it's kind of funny. I think it's cool. I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that because Baby Yoda will eat anything. Well, that's the thing, too. Like, the, they make it very clear in the beginning of the episode that the like we're just getting into the biology of all these things but the eggs still need to be fertilized so they they're bringing him they're bringing the eggs to her husband on this planet to fertilize them so her line will not end so right now they are the equivalent of a big bucket of eggs from a carton and (laughs) baby yoda's just having some breakfast is basically what's happening so it's not until she gets to that planet that those eggs actually become fertilized and then you see the little tadpoles and then Baby Yoda doesn't eat them anymore um, because uh, he's not a murderer. He was just hungry for uh, some breakfast food. Oh, come on, John. He would have eaten the little tadpole if he had the chance because he ate that giant um, at the end of episode 11, that squid thing that came down to eat his brain and Mando killed it. So I think I think Baby Yoda would have totally eaten the, the it wasn't a tadpole, but a little frog. Maybe, maybe, frog. maybe, maybe. We'll yeah, see. No, totally totally <laughs> totally come on john get okay real. baby yoda's a murderer that's fine are you okay with that though he's got a little teardrop tattoo the whole shebang <laughs> teardrop tattoo i like that uh, i i really like that but um we have to see a returning character in zero with uh richard aode i think that's how you say, say yeah. his name yeah uh where the frog lady uh tries to communicate with mando through zero i thought that was really cool um and then he does his repairs they meet the the krikna which gave me some serious alien vibes and i was yes. just uh what is it the xenomorph oh yeah and the face huggers absolutely oh gosh i this is this is where i was like in nope mode until we get to the flamethrower i thought the frog lady hippity hopping hippity hop away was really funny I liked that moment where she's like running and she's like, nope, time to go primitive. And she just leaps away. I thought that was great. Uh, a lot of great horror in this. I don't know. What did what did you think about the horror elements that we saw in this? I mean, it, it was just tense. It, it, it was just, um, I mean, like you and I both on the same page. We hate the spiders. Yes. Um, <laughs> did not want to watch that part. But just the constant escalation of tension from that point to the end. Like when you, I mean, like when you saw... The little egg sitting on the ground and baby yoda went up to it and ate the little krikna oh. um i like that immediately i was like oh my gosh this is alien and then they panned out and there's a whole room full of them i'm like holy crap they're gonna die not really yeah. but um and then it, every every beat after that just kept tightening the tension and tightening it and tightening it and like you knew they were gonna make it out of it i didn't know if the frog lady was um but uh even knowing that even knowing that there was plot armor around these characters and they were going to be fine it was still engaging and you still 
there was still a part of you that didn't know what was going to happen. And were they going to make it off? Um, was the trailer completely fake? And were they just going to die? Maybe this is the end of the series for right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just little things like that. But like it, just true, authentic escalation of tension. Um, just really well done. It wasn't cheesy. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I don't like horror just like you do. Um, but I, I enjoyed that. Um, just like when in the first season when they were um, breaking out that prisoner and um, they had, they had the tension of the Mandalorian kind of sneaking around, picking them off one by one. Um, they're really good at introducing those horror and tension aspects um, into this, which is just it just elevates it, I think, to the whole whole new level. Yeah, this didn't fall flat for me. I thought it was very tense. I thought it was very exciting uh and i i I, like i said i'm not gonna totally put this episode down because i do notice that there's a lot of great cinematography happening here a lot of great television that's happening here and you know i'm not gonna let other opinions you know move me but john do you know about the krikna and where it originates from i know that it's a deep cut into star wars lore but i'm not super familiar with where exactly it comes from so the giant Krikna monster was originally showed in a concept drawing for Empire Strikes Back, where it was supposed to be a creature on Dagobah, and it was supposed to be in relation to the cave, but they cut it. They didn't film it or anything. They decided to leave it out. Uh, but the concept art for this thing is in there, and that's where it drew. And it's true. It's uh, drew inspiration at other parts of the star wars universe uh but the that's it is a one-for-one type of model of what it was in dagobah and it's the big the big krikna the smaller ones kind of they you know added that in this but it it, it's really cool to see how they tie things in especially with like the ice cream the ice cream maker machine yeah to see this like the deep cuts are really fascinating and that's what gives me a lot of hope for this series so that's just kind of your little info dump on that. But we get to the chase scene where they're in the ship. And I really love the the tension of the door is jammed by the amount of Krikna in there. Even mm-hmm. though I hate it so much, I thought it was a really cool effect. I did think the Krikna that was on top of uh, Baby Yoda and was going to bite down on his head took a really long time settling on his head before it was shot by the frog lady. I thought like... I was like, well, it'd be really cool to see this thing just try and bite down quicker. But, you know, I, it's just like I was just watching like it's going to happen. Three seconds later, I'm like, is it going to happen? And then, bam, it's gone. I'm like, oh, OK, that seemed a little anticlimactic, but whatever. Um, giant Krikna and he's being saved by the New Republic, which I don't like him being saved by the New Republic the way it happened. Like it kind of felt like the Dark Knight. Or not the Dark Knight. Batman Begins, where it's like Ra's al Ghul. It's like he's where he's like, I'm not gonna kill you, but I don't have to save you. And then like <laughs> puts his wingsuit out and flies away. That's what I felt like. What do you? What did you get from that, John? It kind of felt like a bit of an ex machina. I mean, <laughs> they had uh, they had to they had to do it somehow. I mean, he was gonna be overrun uh, without someone else intervening. Um, and obviously they've been set up, they knew who he was, they, they'd been able to track him. So it, it makes sense plot wise, but yeah, it, it, it felt kind of forced. Um, 
And give him some fuel or something. Like, at least, like, drop something off, not just fly away. Be like, here's some fuel. You'll figure it out. You'll, you'll get out of here. Like, yeah, but it, something. It, at the same time, I do like the fact that, I mean, with everything that we're seeing, there's gray area on on both sides of, of the Empire and the, and the Republic, where these people were, like, search and rescue type of um, X-Wing pilots kind of patrolling their area. And they they knew who he was. They knew what kinds of things he had done. But they had also saved that he had also saved one of their own. And for that, they at least spared his life. Um, they didn't have to do him any other favors. They were just going to let him live, and um, at least make it so that he had a, a chance at getting off the planet. Um, but it, it it makes it I don't know, man. Like it, it was a little bit more enjoyable for me knowing that they that the good guys didn't have to do the extra mile every single time that maybe they were just going to come in there, make sure he was okay and then let him be. And if he makes it, he makes it. And if he doesn't, then that's on him. Um, but I like, I like the gray area. I've said that in a lot of other things we recorded, but I like when you take something that's black and white and kind of grayed out a bit, um, that they, they didn't have to be saviors for him. They were just doing a, doing him a solid because they say he saved one of their own. Do you know, do you know why they did that John? Why? Because these are dark times. <laughs> I don't know. When uh, when the captain said that, I was like, "Huh, okay." I don't know. It felt it felt a little out of place. Like I said, very nitpicky of this episode, but I do admit it was okay slash good. Wasn't great for me, but uh, I don't know. Do you have any final thoughts on the passenger, John, or you want to move on to the heiress? Uh, just that it it felt. It felt better watching and, and talking about these two back to back. It felt like um, that was part one and part two of the same story. And now, mm. now that that uh, little frog lady B story has has been tied up for what we know right now, it it just feels like he's free to propel forward. Um, so, like I said, like I'm really glad that it worked out to where we we had to record these two back to back, or in the same uh review here but uh or chapter 11 holy crap it was good what a great episode even though it was shorter those episodes are getting shorter and shorter i don't like it but man this episode was damn good yes damn good uh bryce dallas howard directed it uh what i remember seeing her name on the director's list when season two information first started coming out and i'm like well, she's because ne- she's never really directed anything uh, prior to this. But I mean, she's Ron Howard's daughter, so she's obviously been around the industry a ton. She's a great actress, so she knows she she's going to have some kind of advantage as far as like being in the director's chair for the first time. Like she knows what she's gonna what she's doing, and I. Well, I she fl- directed an episode in last season. Oh, did she? Okay, okay. Remember, she did the 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 planet with the with the blue krill. And the and the ATST that was used by the pirates to terrorize the town. That was her episode. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And then. we've had discussions where Bryce Dallas Howard would be a great replacement of Kathleen Kennedy because we don't. It's not that we don't like Kathleen Kennedy because she's a woman. We don't like Kathleen Kennedy because she's a terrible director. Bryce Dallas Howard would be a better pick because she's more enthusiastic about Star Wars. That yeah, is I, I know fair. I've said that before on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Written by John Favreau. Yes. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> continue on from that little splurge of uh, stuff. Directing, 
and Bryce Dallas Howard, which I thought she did a great job. I thought this episode was jam-packed full of fun. It had, uh, even though it's written by John Favreau, the directing for everyone didn't seem like there was a slip-up uh, with any weird moments. I did really... I was a little... I was very happy to see Bo-Katan, but I was kind of... I, I was okay with the expectation that I thought Sasha Banks was going to be Sabine Wren from the Rebels, but instead she was just some generic Mandalorian. But I'm fine with that. I thought I thought it was still still I thought it was still great to see her as a cameo in the show. Yes, and just to make a correction on something we've talked about before, they are part of Death Watch, not Death Squad. Uh, we made a slip up on that. I made the slip up on that. That's yeah. okay. Well, that's, I was going to give you the benefit of the doubt, but that's fine. No, I, you know, I remember it. And I, it's just like one little small thing, you know, don't, don't go around telling, you know, I know you're in your tractors right now, driving to work, whatever you're doing, but you know, don't tell people at work. For those of you who are listening that, you know, that Mandalorian is part of death squad. That sounds really scary. Death watch is less scary, but still scary. You know, just get the facts right. You know, cause we live in a time of fake news, John. Oh God! Okay, we're gonna I, I we're know. gonna move we're forward. We're gonna we got abort. Anyways, uh, <laughs> uh, anyways, um, that was a joke, uh, but yeah. Anyways, I don't know why I'm why I'm vamping here poorly, might I add. But what did you think about this planet, <laughs> Trask? I, it felt it felt good. Um, it, it's not often we get to see like a giant water planet like this. I mean, we, there was Camino, but they, there wasn't like really like this Mariner kind of culture. Um, and it, it felt, um, it felt new almost as, as far as like a star Wars aesthetic. Um, and I really like the boat. I like, um, the Mon Calamari and the way that they fix things is just throwing a bunch of nets over everything. Um, oh, this is so funny. It's just, it's expand. Like I said, like it's, it's, expanding the star wars lore uh coloring in all these new um parts of the of the universe that we didn't know about um so it is i i'm glad that we're exploring new planets and getting into new environments um meeting new characters uh it's it also is crazy that everyone is aware of the value of um of the mandalorian's armor yeah and would do anything for it um, cause what, when I saw it initially, I mean, it was like six in the morning. I had just woken up. Um, and I thought that they were trying to, to capture and kill baby Yoda. Um, and maybe Moff Gideon was, was had hired them to do that. But then I realized that no, 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 no. They're just doing that for the armor. Like they said they were doing and it was six in the morning and I didn't understand what was happening. Um, I don't know, man, like, but, uh, it, it just goes to show how much danger, the Mandalorian or Din Djarin is in constantly just because of who he is and what he has on and the fact that he he knew he needed to be traveling in light speed to avoid people that he is constantly on edge wherever he goes because people are always trying to capture him or kill him um, or steal what he has it it just heightens the tension even more because you never know what's going to happen to him yeah and I really love I really going to planet trask like i really love that they have that dynamic of like we're gonna kick the kid the child into this pit where it'll be eaten by a creature and mandalorian's just gonna jump in there on a whim because i think that the i think that baby yoda is really like his only weakness because that's how they get him to jump in that's how they kind of 
keep him in that cage. I mean, uh, like him alone is uh, is a is a killer. He's uh, an efficient killer at that. But when it comes to him having to protect the kid, he's taken advantage of in every way. So it's really interesting to watch that dynamic, at least from my eyes. And another thing with this planet, with the Quarren and the Mon Calamari, we see them in the Clone Wars, and their dynamic is very interesting because they live in a weird peace agreement where they hate each other, but they live on the same same planet in Mon Cala, and they they just have to get over each other. Yeah, like just they have to like it's a whole there's a whole subline if anybody wants to go watch it's on the Clone Wars about Mon Mon Cala and the the Mon Calamari and the Quarren where the Mon Calamari are the rulers of that planet at least when we're watching it but to see them both on this watery planet I once again the world building really great and even the AT-AT crane which I didn't notice until someone pointed it out that pulls Mando's ship out of the water I really I really love that. So that, that was cool. Yeah. And then we get to see Bo-Katan um, in action. We get to see the the Death Watch in action, which for it's always tricky adapting something that that's originated as a cartoon. And right they're they're not part of the they're not part of the watch. Oh, shoot, shoot, shoot. You're right. Oh, uh, thank you. He, yeah, this, this, they're normal Mandalorians. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Thank you. Thank you for the correction. Yes, uh, yes, but yes. to see something translated from um, an animated format into live action can sometimes be tricky because there's physics that actually come into play. Um, sometimes the, the tangibility of it all doesn't really play out the same. But I thought the use of their jetpacks and their fighting style felt very natural. Um their weapon use was great. Their uh, the, the the fact that they worked together so um, so efficiently as a unit that they could almost read each other's minds because they had been doing this for so long together um, just felt like an elite fighting squad that knew what they were doing. That felt very natural seeing them. I thought the armor looked great because um, sometimes that's the other thing. It's like sometimes the look doesn't really translate as well in live action, um, but the helmet looked. Uh, Pocatan's helmet looked incredible. I it was just really nice seeing um, Katie Sackoff getting to play the character in live action when she had voiced her for so long. Yes. Um, so just seeing seeing all them and their their part of this episode was just really satisfying for me. Yeah, and something that I really loved with them is that they kind of confirmed that Mandalor like Mando Din Djarin was raised by crazy zealots. Yeah, uh, they confirmed the theory that hey, when he was ca- when he was uh, saved as a foundling, that he is part of uh, the Death Watch, and that they their creed is basically to is to control Mandalore, but under the ancient ways of the Mandalore, which you see in more extended Star Wars Legends, where they don't take off their helmets. But, you know, even Bo-Katan says this is the way uh, a couple of times, which is great. I thought that was really nice. But I I really love how efficient they make the Mandalorian crew. Like when they're on the Imperial ship and they are just they're they're going ahead. They're being methodical. They'll they'll shoot at the same time, but not like not like behind each other or they're behind each other, but kind of in rows and they're walking, taking ground at the same time. And you get to see that like 
Din Djarin, the Mando, is kind of like out of sync with their movements, but is trying to follow them because they're an efficient kill squad. They're just mowing down stormtroopers. And I love that attention to detail that the Mandalorians as a group are superior when it comes to combat. And it was it's once again, fantastic job by Bryce Dallas Howard. Fantastic job by John Favreau. I don't think they get enough credit because it's that small attention to detail. Even though I nitpicked last episode, that's just for me as a personal preference. This is Star Wars. That is how you build up a separate race. Even though everyone looks human in some regards, like all the people who look human, the Mandalorians are supposed to be superior in every way when it comes to combat. And this shows it off in such a great way. Yeah, and the fact that when they're um, when they're in the cockpit and talking about like trying to figure out what's going on, um, one of the imperial officers says that that there's ten of them out there, and obviously there's less than half of that. So the fact yeah. that they're able to do the damage of ten people with only four of them, I think that little line alone, that's like a throwaway line, just speaks volumes to the like you said, like the efficiency and the nature of that little squad. Yeah, it's a fantastic squad. And we even get a little bit of some jokes, like when uh, they're going into the cargo hold and they get locked before they get to the cargo hold. And we have that moment with uh, the officer and the captain on the bridge where it's like, where'd you lock them? We locked them in the cargo control room. And then they get blasted out. I love that attention to detail where the tension on the bridge, like the you just feel the pressure on this guy where he's like oh man i hope we make it and he's like changing the things like we have to ascend when we're out of port he's like just ascend now you know we need to get them into space and so i love how there is that dynamic of you know usually when we watch the empire they're not making a lot of or in any case in in television shows or any type of conflict when they're the bad guys they're not making really good calculated moves and i'm watching them make great calculated moves in this it just makes the world feel more alive and we get the confirmation that Bo-Katan is after the Darksaber. Yup. Yep. Oh my gosh, that the the fact that that's going to put her on a collision course with Moff Gideon, and it's all coming together. Um, I mean, he. It seems like he did take it from her, um, and she is trying to prove that as the rightful ruler of Mandalore that she had that she should have the Darksaber to rule her people. Um, and I, I don't know, man, like I, I love how the further along we get in the series, the better perspective we get on all of these interweaving stories and, uh, characters and plot threads. Um, so it's, it's, it's not all like disjointed, like it felt like in the first season, it's all kind of starting to overlap and weave together. And it's, it's, I think by the end of this season, it's going to be even more so. Yeah. It's so great to see that, uh, but, you know, because if you didn't know, listeners, Bo-Katan is supposed to be the rightful. Well, she was given the Darksaber and Rebels to be the rightful ruler of Mandalore. It's kind of like a symbol to unite them. But obviously something happened and we don't know about that. It's kind of uh, what happened after she went to Mandalore with what with the Moff Gideon story. Moff Gideon kind of puts a wrench in everything and we still don't know, except that the Empire really did a number on Mandalore, took its Beskar. So it's uh, that's like the bit of information besides knowing how Baby Yoda, like where Baby Yoda comes from. That's another interesting plot line 
that we will see develop in this. And we get to see Moff Gideon make his appearance on a holonet transceiver, Long Live the Empire, and the captain kills the two people on the bridge, which I totally expected when he's basically like, they can't make it here. You know that, Captain. It's just The captain's just all about it. Like, it's some Nazi type of work here. Where it's just like, you're right. The enemy won't get the ship. And it's like putting us in a nosedive. Takes the Star Wars version of a cyanide pill and electrifies his body when he gets captured on the bridge. Really, really great. Once again, really great cinematic stuff. Where it's the original George Lucas vision of like, hey, you know, we're trying to... You know, the Empire is supposed to be like the Nazis, and here we're seeing references to Nazis. I I like it. The Cold War stuff and, and that World War II uh, type of aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and so then, at, even at the end of that, when Bo-Katan uh, kind of sends off uh, Din Djarin and she names drops no- Ahsoka Tano and tells him where she is, it, it's, it's a very clear direction on where I hope the next episode is going um, because it doesn't seem like they're wasting a ton of time between uh, points and his journey here. So I, I hope that we get to see Ahsoka in live action for the first time uh, next week. Um, I, I, I just, Oh my gosh, man, like every, at the end of every episode just seems to te- just seems to tee up what's going to happen next in a really genuine way and just keeps people excited to come back week after week. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what happens next with uh, Rosario Dawson when we're going to see Ahsoka Tano. But um, for next week's episode is being directed by Carl Weathers. And so we might be going back to the planet they're originally on, which I forget the planet that they started on with Grief Karga and yeah, um, yeah and, and Gina Carano's character, which I forget her name too. Oh, man. Cara Dune. There we go. <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm excited to once again, well, like the great thing about what John Favreau does is he builds this universe and he brings back characters and even characters in the Mandalorian. He's met up with people uh, from this episode, from this season, at least with Pelimoto, which not really too great of a fan of, but it just means that the world is interconnected and it's not just a one stop shop. So, yeah, really excited. So. You got any final thoughts on these past two episodes, John? Um, I know that if I ever needed work done on my car, I would never talk or never ask a Mon Calamari for help uh, because the fact that it's just like, it looks like it's like literally boarded up with two by fours and is being held together by these fishing nets. Uh, I, I, I definitely, it's a very particular kind of culture that, um, the aesthetic is strong with them um which is so weird because in lore mon calamari's are the ones who made the mon calamari cruisers that are used in return of the jedi and when you see admiral akbar in his ship like that's a mon calamari cruiser like they made that thing and it's like sleek white what i was hope what i was hoping for is that when he gets in the razor crest like it looks like it looks terrible on the outside, but when he got in, it looked like super well-polished, white. I was expecting that, and I didn't get it. I was like, oh, they really went literal with the Mon Calos. I was like, in lore, they are supposed to be, like, really well-shipped designers. And I was like, I, I okay, you know, not not a deep cut. You went for the literal fish guy, so it is what it is. I mean, maybe that's just, like, the people that lived on this planet rather than 
uh, Mon Cala, uh, and it, maybe it's supposed to show the difference between the level of engineers in the different worlds. Well, the the Quarren are supposed to be more fishy fishy when it comes to that kind of stuff. Hmm. Like they're more brutish, like they're really strong. Uh, they're they're more like the warrior type compared to the Mon Calamari. But these are some big deep cuts. So we will leave it at that. We're excited to review the next chapter chapter what is it chapter 12 yes yes we're we're getting close after chapter 12 we'll be at the halfway point so we'll see carl weathers episode next week and we'll have a review up for you and we're excited to watch it and we hope you are too so yes we'll see you next time Ooh, right so real quick uh oh go ahead the reviews for the rest of the mandalorian series will be coming out every sunday so keep an eye out for that. And then when we get into reviewing um, uh, the um, uh, the Marvel Disney Plus uh, series, WandaVision uh, will be first. And those will also come out every Sunday. Uh, so it'll all be the same weekend. So keep an eye out for that. Yes, keep an eye out for that, everyone. And until then, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.